Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the FTF Exchange podcast series. I'm Eugene Grigo, Chief Content Officer for FTF News and Financial Technologies Forum. Today, we are talking to two representatives of Alveo Technology, formerly known as Asset Control. Nathan Walliver is the Managing Director for the Americas at Alveo. Boyka Babalal is the Strategic Solutions Director for the Americas at Alveo. For this podcast, Nathan and Boyka focus on the next wave of data management for securities operations. Well, good morning. What is the significance of the name Alveo? And what was the catalyst for, for the new branding? You know, this is not something we took lightly and not without a little bit of debate. You know, it's not often that you have a company that's been around for 30 years, market leader, innovative. You know, we were the first ones to really come up with a, a NoSQL-like uh, database to approach reference data. We did things like managed data services uh, a decade ago, and we have really, I think, been successful in, in that area of the market. But I think you know, you kind of looked at the way the market was moving. And even three years ago, when the leadership team and sovereign capital partners bought out Marlin, we were already thinking about how the new innovations that we were putting out, how that was going to affect the way that we approached the market, what the market was looking for. And so, you know, with the innovations that we had around open source uh, technologies, uh, the managed services, the REST APIs, the business domain model service, like all of these things that we were doing was really moving away from what had become table stakes in the EDM uh, marketplace, which was just getting to a golden copy. And it was really about clients utilizing that golden copy, using the data, the business user enablement. And so we felt like it was the right time to have the brand reflect what we were doing and what we were offering. So we made the change and it's been a really positive response so far. It does refer to a river flowing, right? Very good. So your Italian is, is impeccable. Yes, Alvio is a riverbed in Italian and the tagline is where data flows. That's the, the new moniker for the company. Okay. All right. So how are Alvio's services helping firms make accurate data more actionable. Yeah, you know, that's right on the tip of, of what we're trying to uh, do here is, is really business user enablement. And, you know, the old way of thinking about it, the sort of the data management 1.0 was, hey, how do we get to a golden copy? How do we get a state of data? And now what clients really are asking for is how do we use that data? How do we get at it? And so one of the big things that we've done is the investment in our data warehousing application called Alpha, which allows clients to store data in a bitemporal fashion and get at it through programming languages like Python and R. Uh, but being able to do it in a seamless way that moves data from sort of getting the data right to getting it actionable and moving from the data from to the back into the front office. And so we're seeing clients really interested in these types of, of technologies and initiatives because it means that they're able to monetize data as an asset. And so uh, a lot of interest in these types of technologies. And I, speaking of technologies, I've got a, a kind of a long list here of some specific technologies that I would like to ask you about. So what roles are the following technologies playing? And the first one is cloud native, and there's a lot of cloud native references on, on your website. So cloud native technologies and quickly explain to our audience what that means. 
you know, this is like Boyka and his strategic solutions, their Swiss army knife. But, but one of the big things that you see is everybody, uh, everything, whether it's the, the clients or the vendors, it's all about moving to the cloud and cloud enablement. And that, and that is simply because it's just such a great way of storing uh, data and getting this scalability. So we spent a lot of time and effort in moving our application onto cloud-ready technologies, using more open source, migrating to a Postgres database, which allows us to take advantage of the cloud architecture. And then of course, the movement of, of managed services and putting a platform on the cloud and in particular, Oracle's initiative, OCI and, and AWS. But by doing it this way, this allows us to scale uh, horizontally across clients and be able to sort of replicate the application and in instances and then leverage the scalability of the cloud. And Boca, do you want to say anything about the cloud native? So we have, uh, you know, an example that I can give regarding accessibility, scalability, and performance. So we have a, a client that has support that supports global trade operations, and they're using our product that's called Alpha, and it's based on the Cassandra database and, and Spark on top of it. And what they do is, right, so they, uh, they need to have low latency in getting this information. So we have these cloud technologies, and on top of that, even in, in memory, uh, database, right? So to, in order to fastly uh, to retrieve this data. And another example that I can give is that another client is uh, supporting their fundamental review of the trading book. And what, what's happening there is they need to find proxies for uh, instruments that don't have sufficient data. And they have automated using this same technology, the Cassandra Spark layer, right? They are calculating on a daily basis for each instrument, what are the proxies that they need to use? And that's a heavy operation. So you need to have, you know, a scalable infrastructure to, in order to do that. And then quickly, how is machine learning and artificial intelligence, how's that helping in your situation? This is, in fact, almost the natural extension of what we do, uh, because to have uh, the ability to really do RPA type technology, and you need to have good data. So in essence, Albio is a machine learning lab in its own right. But some of the stuff that Boyk is doing that's really interesting is, is sort of taking the viewpoint of how do you use these AI technologies to enhance the operational experience and I think we found uh, certainly in, in engaging with clients, that's really what they're, they're that, that's sort of the next generation or next iteration of what people are trying to do is, is how do we use advancements in AI to help uh, our processes and our people get better using these technologies? I can give a few examples. So, so for example, right, last year, especially right with COVID, so you saw a lot of market fluctuations. And, and if this happens, you know, the prices of instruments go up and down quite severely. So you have a lot of suspect data, right, that needs to be checked because normally they have these thresholds, uh, you know, and when they're breached, you know, the data needs to be checked. So in these volatile markets, you have more suspects being generated. But the thing is, it's easy to create rules that use machine learning to find, and, and if this is a bit similar to the proxy example, to find a similar instrument and, and, and see what is happening in the market. And if there is a big movement in one instrument and actually you see it across the whole board, right? Or to a very similar instrument that might indicate it's not suspect data, right? Because it's a normal market movement. So machine learning can help uh, reduce false positives. And by doing so, re reduce a lot of workload in data cleansing and exception handling, right? Is that mostly for pre-trade analytics or do you get into post-trade analytics? 
Yeah, the thing is, it, to be honest, it, it, it's 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 used across the board, right? It's even risk management. It's even um, you know price valuations or NAV calculations. It's it's across the board. Every let's say use case that needs market data, right? Price information. This can be applied to indeed. Yeah, and Judy and I maybe to just jump in there because I think what's clear is that what we do in terms of the operational context of the utility of the software is is using the machine learning to optimize the process around you know sort of data data cleansing and making that more efficient. Where I think Alvia becomes an enabler is what you're talking about is is the extension into the alpha module and then using machine learning on top of that and that in some ways the secret sauce of our clients in terms of how they want to comb through the data. But what is absolutely clear is that, you know, and the statistics bear this out, like when it comes to data scientists, 80% of the work that they have to put in isn't on creating the algorithms or the coding, it's on prepping the data. So if that data is already staged and activated and ready for consumption, it cuts down on the time of the market. And, and that really is the business, right? For a lot of these shops, the faster they can get these algorithms out, the faster they can put in these programmatic trades, the better off and, and the more money they will make. And then uh, there's a, something going around about data management 2.0, a new way to, to review data. Before we dive into that, what, what is causing the huge data volumes that firms are struggling with? I think there's a bunch of opinions on this. I think it's, you know, it goes back to the cloud. You know, it used to be that you want to go ahead and you want to store more data. You had to go through that entire process of acquiring more hardware and you had to go to the CTO and the CFO and say, great, you know, listen, we want to buy, you know, a petabyte of data, or what, you know, storage or whatever else. Now the cloud, I think in, in some of the data warehousing, data lake technologies, you know, people are just storing everything. So, the, the fact of the matter is, it's like, we'll, we'll get to it later, but we're just going to store it because we don't know what value this has. And, you know, it's also about the data types that are being in there. It's, it's certainly the standard stuff, but the alternative data is probably, you, you, you've talked to a bunch of people about this. I mean, great. Now everybody wants to go ahead and probably they're combing through Instagram posts to determine, you know, what the latest, you know, shoe fad is or whatever. So you got to store everybody's Instagram post. I don't know, but it, but it is getting to that point. And because, the cloud enables that to happen and in such a scalable fashion, I think people are just throwing it up there. Now, now the trouble is gonna be is how structured is that information? And, and I think the problem that people are going to have is what is the utility of the information you're storing? And so I think you're gonna see sort of a swing back towards, hey, we need to organize this and collect this in a meaningful way to take action upon. It's not just enough to store it. We wanna go ahead and look at it um, in, a, in a meaningful way. And you need to have a good data strategy in order to make that happen. How are firms going to be able to extract the, the data they need, the relevant data for their business decisions if they have this uh, so much to comb through? I think right now, you you know, and I think we saw some of it out there in the marketplace over the last couple of days in some articles. And I think there was something I saw the other day where it was like the CDO will be, you know, 30% of all CEOs will have a CDO background by the year 2035. And I think the realization is, is coming very quickly that, yeah, they've gone and stored a bunch of this information, but without having smart people, data scientists, data practitioners that understand the data and are putting governance and lineage around this, you're going to get just a bunch of data without any meeting. And especially in the financial markets, you know, the, the regulators are going to come and say, wait a minute, you use some data over here and it doesn't line up with the data over there. So I think that's where like a lot of the stuff that we've been investing in, like the alpha product and certainly the data lineage product, 
is really giving clients the ability to say, okay, great, we can do this, we can store it, but we can do it in a structured way that enables us to make smarter decisions in a cost-efficient way too. And I guess this is maybe a question for Boyka as well. Uh, is it possible to apply metadata to information to minimize the guesswork and to get to what you need? And also, I guess, to make it more cost-effective? Or is that just an unnecessary layer? Yeah, the, the thing is, you know, it, it, it's really what you want to achieve with data management, right? If you want to be in a state that you continuously improve your operations and become better and better, you need to capture that metadata, right? You need to know how often your rules are producing false positive. You need to know, you need to be able to calculate vendor scorecards, right? So that, you know, your vendor hierarchy, which vendor you prefer for certain data elements, you need to have data to back that up, right? And to improve that over time. So metadata is crucial in the, if, if you want to continuously improve your operations mm-hmm. and even improve data quality itself, right? Yeah, and then uh, is metadata easier for people to handle, for, for firms to handle? One of the things is um, metadata itself, because if you capture data, right, it's easy. But if you want to capture the metadata you need in order to calculate KPIs uh, and improve your operations, it, 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 it makes things way more complex, right? Because there's mm-hmm. so much more information that you need to store. And this information in the past was, was not captured, right? It was transient, it, it was let go. But the volumes of, of this information is way more. And, and also the type of information, for example, if you have a rules triggering that checked your data and you want to make that transparent what is happening, it's, it's total new information that's being captured, right? So all of this information, uh, yeah, if you, if you can make that available easily, uh, it's easy to, 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 to calculate these operational metrics that, that can allow you to indeed uh, improve things. Okay. And I've just got um, kind of a quick list of uh, some of the emerging options for securities firms as they try to get a, a better handle on, on this new era of data management. Insourcing or outsourcing, when someone comes to you with that question, what do you say? We're fortunate to be in a marketplace where we can do both, but I would say 90, 95% of the conversations we have are all about outsourcing. And I think that's also because, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, in some ways, this has become a commoditized function. It's what you're doing on top of that. And more and more clients are saying, you know, put it up, get it in the cloud. You take the technology stack. I want to put DevOps around this and I want to get this into business user application so I can monetize that data. You know, they don't see the standard data management uh, traditional use cases as something that they want to invest in as a strategic asset, as infrastructure. They want to do this in as low a cost and efficient a way possible so that they can put their capital towards business cases. And so that's why we keep talking about business user enablement because we want to serve this up and give it to the business users and do it in the most cost-effective way possible. And we touched on it a little bit earlier, but the post-pandemic workflows, do you think the volumes, these high volumes, these crazy volumes are going to continue? Yeah, I, I think so. And maybe the other direction too, right? I mean, at some point it's got to, it's got to revert to the mean or, or, or further. So, so I think you're still, I think you're going to see more volatility. You're going to see more trading, more, more asset types. I mean, who knows where crypto goes? So I think you're going to see a whole bunch of different things. I think one of the things that we've seen that was with a trend, though, and especially in post-pandemic life, and it's it's an interesting question too because we were just we were just talking about that. Where who knows where people are going to be? And this goes into sort of the managed services and the outsourcing as well, because you got a lot of firms that are sitting there and saying, "I can't rely on the fact that I'm going to need people to come into the office to make sure things are working." 
So you've got this juxtaposition of sort of this workflow outsourcing model. And what we've tried to do is develop the technologies that integrate to, you know, third-party workflows, things like email outlook and things like Slack and Symphony, because we think that's the integrated and, and Boykin and his team have been working on some stuff we call Express, which is this integration layer. But we think that holistic approach of being more seamless with your workflows and data, not being application centric, but being data centric is the way the market's going to go. And Boykin, can, can you say a little bit more about Express? Yes, so indeed, so many use cases, right, that require interaction with other systems and even email or notification to do Slack that you have downstream users that new in new instruments in, in the system or information need to be captured. So how do you communicate that, right? And um, and if you automate that whole process, right, for example, by sending an email that or even an image of a screenshot of a terminal, for example, you can automatically, you know, using image processing, right, you can start uh, onboarding instruments and, and, and no one needs to be involved, right? It can, can be fully automated. So that's one example. But the thing is, if you have instrument, uh, suspects within your, uh, in your system and you want to uh, publish that to downstream users so that they are aware of these suspects, how can you do that, right? So there's many ways of broadcasting that type of information, for example, through emails to, to other, let's say, WhatsApp or whatever, right? It doesn't matter, Slack. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And do you anticipate that there'll be new data flows uh, and, and, and actually new workflows between the front office and the back office? Yeah, you know, I, I would sit there and say, I, I think certainly the pandemic is changing a lot and people are going to start to think, think about that. I, I definitely think you will still have the traditional, hey, here's the business and here's the support function behind it. But what I think is becoming or what is changing is how close those seats are coming together and how, how much the data is being shared. And as more regulations, more tightening, more technology becomes available, I, I think that firms are looking at this and saying, you know what, we want the front and the back office to share the same information. We wanna leverage the data across the firm rather than each one picking their own sources of information. So, so that is gonna continue. And I think that's what we're trying to, to do with Alpha, which is to say, you're staging this data, it's really good stuff the front office should use this as well. And I think the clients are recognizing that, 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 that in some ways they have an asset in the back that they can bring to the front and, and, and use that to great effect. And so we are seeing that as a trend. Mm-hmm. And are, are buy side needs and sell side needs, are they different? Or are, we, are their data management needs, are they different? Or is it pretty much the same? No, they're, they're actually different. The good thing about what we've done as a company over the years is we've really built the system for scalability. So some of our clients, I would go out there and say, are the biggest implementations on the street with you know billions of securities in them. So we've already built the system to be as robust as, as, as any system uh, on the street. Where, where, and that was largely because our initial focus was, was on the sell side, where you just have you know, a massive inventory of securities and you need to go ahead and use scale and efficiency to come through those, those securities, get to securities of interest. The, the buy side thinks about it very differently. They have a very small focus of stocks, but they have a, quite a breadth of data. And then, you know, in some ways it used to be that putting in an Alveo system for a small buy shot side shop was, you know, you know, trying to kill a fly with a bazooka. But with the advent of, of you know, managed services, the pass service, we've also come up with another, you know, solution, which is Passport which is specifically targeted as an out-of-the-box SaaS service, which is directly uh, targeted to the, to the buy side with a much lower 
uh, uh, sales point, but also has all the bells and whistles and function that allows them to plug in right into their infrastructure and, and get data on tap. So it is, a, it is a different use case, but thanks to the cloud and the service technology, we can spin it up and this really powerful engine can now be shrunk down and targeted at a buy-side shop. And uh, the buy-side was kind of slow to uh, embrace the cloud and it it really has, though. Um, certainly just before uh, the pandemic uh, hit, there was a huge move toward the cloud. We could see it among, among our, our readers and so forth. Are there other technologies that the buy side appears to be getting excited about? I think one of them would be machine learning and artificial intelligence and some RPA uh, implementations. I'll let Boyka t- take the technology angle, but I'll just say right there, I think the thing that's hot right now is, and I know we, we don't want to be too data geeky, but the ESG stuff is yeah. just... So we're seeing a lot on the ESG data. But what that also is a lot of the semantic data, machine learning. There's a lot of applications there. Boyk is certainly working on some stuff at SSG that is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, so there's not many standards yet with ESG, right? right? And you have a lot of parties trying to calculate ESG ratings and how do you do that? And, and organizations want to create their own ratings as well, right? So so and, and making use of, of that data with little standards so machine learning can help there, right? Uh, especially indeed. And it's, yeah, you're right. There's a huge surge in demand there. All right. So basically it's all about getting the data into the right systems at the right time. And then hopefully you'll wind up with some confidence in, in, in the data, wherever it is. Is there anything else we need to cover? We cover quite a bit. Listen, I think it really is about, because we started off this whole thing about, you know, hey, it's, it's data and data is, is the lifeblood of financial services. But at the end of the day, more and more clients look at data management as a facilitator and they want to know what they can do with that information. And so that's why you see things like the data quality intelligence that leverages metadata for operational enhancements for taking a look at data vendor quality and making strategic decisions about what information you want to source. You're looking about the storage and the access of data through alpha, getting it into the arms of the front office. You got a lot of cool stuff that's happening around the machine learning and the RPA clients that are trying to automate, integrate with workflow functions. So this really is, I wouldn't call it the final frontier, but it, it certainly is a lot more interesting than it was when I was starting here 15 years ago, where it was just about getting to a goal copy. And I think this is going to be, you know, the reason why we rebanded the firm is that there is going to be a massive expansion of what clients think they can do with good data management partners. And I think we're just starting to get the, to scratch the surface on a lot of these capabilities. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange podcast.